The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell, and joining us on the phone right now is Olivia Juliana, who, if you don't know who she is by now, maybe you've been living under a walk for the past week, but she is the activist and advocate from Gen Z for Change, who's raised over $2 million after Matt Yates attacked her personally for being pro-choice. Good morning, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. So um, how much money have you raised? Because I can't even read the number right. I was, I was joking that I'm learning uh, my Sino numbers in Korean, and so my brain like can't read this number. <laughs> it like it, like won't work. Um, how much? What is the total right now? Yeah, I, I, just, I just checked earlier, and I think we're up to $2,243,000. It's so I mean that is so much money. Um it's been a week. Um so so when you started this whole thing, did you could you have even imagined you would have raised this much money? Absolutely not. I I mean I I've raised a few thousand dollars before. That's what I expected to happen again. I had absolutely no idea that this was going to go as viral as it went and that we were going to be I thought 100,000 was a lofty goal. And now we've raised what, 20 times that. That's no, that's wrong math, I think. I don't know. I'm bad at math. <laughs> Me too. But it's just insane. No, I mean, but I think we were talking um, throughout the course of the show about what happened in Kansas yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even, you know, they say the polling says a majority of Americans support choice. And you're like, okay, thank you for letting me know. Um, and then you see a red state um, or presumably a red state like Kansas you know, with 20% of the electorate coming out to just vote on the referendum, they're like, I don't even care what else is on this ballot, but I know that I'm coming out to vote no because I want to protect the right to abortion. It goes Mm -hmm. to show that the energy is on the pro-choice side. I think that your fundraising demonstrates that the energy and enthusiasm and really the anger is on the pro-choice side. Um, Do you think that the anti-choice folks underestimated the amount of anger that would result from this decision? I mean... It's even, I mean, I, I, I think I'm even a little surprised, actually, even as somebody that is a longtime feminist who I was, you know, dreading the day Do- Dobbs was decided. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been surprised by the amount of anger that I have seen since. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in, a, in like a conservative Christian household in a very rural community in like uh, southeast Texas. And so I grew up a lot around. I grew up around a lot of Republicans and there's kind of this common notion among people within the Republican party that Democrats don't vote. And so I think that the pro-lifers or as I call them, the anti-choicers have severely underestimated, not just the amount of people who truly are pro-choice, 
but the amount of anger that this kind of decision would cause because i think the i think the ideology behind this is like oh abortion is not as like prevalent as we think it is when it is like reproductive health care is a very important thing that a lot of people have to deal with on a daily basis um and so i think that they're kind of starting to realize that maybe they may have gone too far and um i think if we see any kind of swing in the midterms towards more democratic seats in congress i think it honestly is going to come down to republicans stripping people of their right to an abortion Mm. i mean that is that's one of the the big questions i think going into the midterms and i think you can you never know what the electorate is feeling um until they show up i mean as a political analyst i'll tell you like you can make all kinds of predictions if you want you can look at every poll um but sometimes voters will show up and they will surprise you um and i think that one of the the connections that i make in my brain between your fundraising and what happened yesterday in Kansas is the fact that young people are engaged in this particular moment. People are organizing because that's what you're doing, organizing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the people did in Kansas, organize to make sure that people knew what their no vote meant, <clears throat> made sure they knew where to go vote and show up and when in August, no less. Um, can you just talk about organizing and why it is so important? I'm, my first job in politics was a field organizer. Um, it is the most important and difficult job I've had in politics, but it's also the most rewarding because it's actually what it's all about. (laughs) It is the project of democracy, the organizing piece, and that's what you have been so successful at. Yeah, I I always say like voting is important, but voting is never enough. Um, especially like living in a state like Texas, where we have so many laws in place that aim to suppress voters like the same in the same legislative session that sb8 was passed which is the abortion ban here in the state we passed sb1 which was a voter suppression bill that had things including like making it more difficult for people who are disabled to go and vote and so um, in a state like texas organizing especially is important because there's a lot of people who don't know where to go vote they don't know how to vote they don't even know if they're eligible if they're registered or if they've been taken off of the roles of people who are registered because that's something that's happening as well so organizing on the ground is extremely important for one because of the amount of disinformation that's constantly going around especially when it comes to politics but two because i think a lot of republicans especially have kind of proven that they'll play dirty and we saw that in kansas yesterday we saw a mass text message go out across the state saying oh if you care about choice vote yes like that is a targeted misinformation campaign to get people to vote and so organizing is important because you have to combat that disinformation but you also have to help people get access to the resources that they need. But now we're seeing this like very new kind of side to organizing online, you know, digital organizing. This entire fundraiser that we did was done from from my bedroom, you know? It was something that we mobilized people online to do. And I think that between that and these long time on the ground groups that have been doing incredible work or local nonprofits organizations, Jolt Action is one here in Texas that's fantastic. Um, I think, honestly, like organizing is the backbone of democracy. And so it's extremely important. It's something that's not talked about a lot in mainstream media. Oh, yeah. I bring it up as much as I can because I think that 
it's one of I often find it frustrating that we talk so much about polling and we don't talk to voters and we and we don't talk um about organizing. Um, we're always like, what does the poll say? I'm like, well, how many organizers are in that particular state? Because <laughs> that's the answer that I need to know um, in order to see if, if that is a viable campaign there. I mean, th- that happened so often in the Democratic primaries in 20, back in 2020 where, you know, there were a lot of polls. But I'm like, if you don't have any field organizers in the state, how are you going to get your people out? Um, one of the other messages um, I think that people are considering came out of last night is that Democrats running this cycle perhaps should start talking about abortion clear in clear terms. I mean, the voters in Kansas confirm the polling that a majority of Americans support this. But in a lot of ways, Democrats right now are like talking about the economy. Maybe they're talking about Jan 6. Do you think that they just need to be they need to say the word abortion? Does that matter to you? And do you think they need to be more aggressive in their messaging around abortion and access to abortion? Because Kansas shows that people, people really, really care about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. They should be 100% they should be. Um, There's this, there's this quote um, from Martin Luther King Jr. from his letter from a Birmingham jail, where he talks about like, outright rejection isn't as bad as uh, lukewarm acceptance. And so like, that kind of idea in politics needs to be carried out more as like, how can we trust that someone who won't be bold in addressing an issue is going to fight for our rights as passionately as we need in order for them to be protected? So when you have a candidate who, for one, like won't talk about abortion, like won't say the word abortion, we'll be like, oh, I believe everyone has a right to make their own decisions. That's very vague. Like, I understand this is about freedom of choice, but this is specifically about whether or not somebody will be able to get an abortion. And abortion's not a bad word. Abortion is a healthcare procedure. Abortion saves lives. And it's something that we need to destigmatize. And by continuing to tiptoe around the issue, politicians are further polarizing the issue by acting like it's something that we shouldn't talk about. And so the vote, the vote in Kansas shows one that the overwhelming majority of people are ready and willing to vote in order to protect that right. But two, like you said, a lot of young people are involved. And I know a lot of young people feel very similar to me on this issue, especially about um, there's there, an abortion, abortion rights activists and organizers too. Like there are drinking games with certain politicians where it's like, take a shot every time they actually say the word because you're not going to end up drinking. Right. And so <laughs> it's it's this kind of yeah, it's this kind of need that we need to see happening more and more. And I'm starting to see it more, especially in Texas. I'm starting to see more and more politicians be more unapologetic with their support for reproductive health care. And I think it's really needed and necessary. It's really needed because again, abortion is healthcare. That often is said by politicians, and I think people mistake um, the fact that that's not just a talking point. What we've learned, or maybe people are newly learning this over the course of the last month, is that there are people that are basically being forced to bleed out, right? Almost die. Doctors are, they have them in the hospital, and they're like, we're just going to let you bleed out and almost die because we're not sure if, if we can give you a DNC because of the new law. That is happening all around America. Um, and and it's, there, it's not hypothetical scenarios. I mean, do you think that people are now 
understanding that the the quote unquote abortion is healthcare line that people say is not just it's not just a talking point. It's actually mm-hmm. that's just that's actually a fact. Yeah, I, I think that I, I've seen a lot online of like people who who I knew growing up who were Republican who were pro life saying like I think this has gone too far. I know of one person in in particular I know who's never voted for Democrats ever. Uh, here in the state of Texas is voting for every Democratic statewide candidate because of the abortion ban here in place in the state. So I think that a lot of people are starting to understand just how severe of an issue this is. Because like you said, like people people are dying. Like People will die because of these bans. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to create an epidemic of reproductive health care related deaths that are even worse than we already have we already have extremely high maternal mortality rates we already have extremely high infant mortality rates especially among black and latina women and if we don't make strides to counteract this now we're going to see an entire generation plagued with the results of these bans and we're going to be going back into the 1900s and the 1800s when people were dying from these kinds of procedures and trying to figure things out. I mean, it's, it's so scary to think about the time before Roe, um, when you talk to your older relatives about it. And when, when I talk to my older relatives about it, you know, it just feels like a, a time that couldn't be possible. And now we're in it. Um, and, and I think even just the stories about women almost bleeding out or the 10 year old rape survivor who had to travel across state lines. I mean, the response from the anti-choice movement is to call all of those stories a lie. Like they can't be, they can't be true because they're so horrible that if we actually acknowledge that they were true, then we would be put on the defensive. And then you also have people like Matt Gates, who the reason why you've raised $2 million is because he decided the way he would attack your activism is by personally attacking your appearance, right? Just going ad hominem, body shaming you. I mean, the, the old feminists are ugly joke. Ha ha ha. I always like to say like, I'm funny and I'm hot. Like, shut up. Like feminists Mm -hmm. are amazing. (laughs) Feminists are like the funniest people I know. And they're amazing. So like this, the, the, the whole like picture in your head of a feminist that you had, that's negative that somebody put in your brain, delete that. Um, and just think about badasses because that's what feminists are. But talk about the fact that basically you have decided to utilize um, the attention that Matt Gates put on you because they don't have anything. They're on the defensive. And so they're just going personal attacks. Yeah. Well, like, first, first I want to acknowledge, like, the, like, the older women who – were living in a in a pre-row world mm-hmm. you know I, i've gone to a couple democratic events here in texas over the last few days and i have been overwhelmed with people like coming up to me asking for pictures but especially older women mm-hmm. have been coming up to me mm-hmm. and i've had several of them now come up to me with tears in their eyes mm-hmm. telling me about how they had to have an abortion before row and about how they know how dangerous it was. And so they are terrified and they're so grateful that organizers are doing the work to try to, to, to counteract these bans that people like Matt Gates are perpetuating, trying to put in place. Um, 
So it's definitely, this is an intergenerational fight that we're seeing. I think the oldest woman who came up to talk to me was 93 years old. Wow. Asked to come wow. take a photo. Um, and so Matt Gates coming after me is just, it's not surprising in the least. First and foremost, I would hope that Matt Gates does not find me attractive, seeing as I am a 19-year-old girl and he is a 40-year-old man. Um, secondly, it, it does play into this entire let's just demoralize them and attack them personally because if we do that they're not gonna want to fight i think matt gates picked me on purpose because he thought oh this is a uh, a young queer latin woman living in texas this is an easy target unfortunately for matt gates that's not true and we've been able to capitalize on this attention to raise 2.2 million dollars which i don't think people understand like the severity of that amount raised is each and every one of those abortion funds is going to get upwards of forty thousand dollars that is like an insane amount of money and that's being distributed across the country so i think that these republicans like when they're seeing these things in the news because it's not just matt gates now there's there are other republicans who are starting to come after me is one specifically last night from Florida who is using me as a fundraiser for his campaign <laughs> saying we have to stop Olivia Juliana and save the babies. <laughs> so it's, it's it. insane. That is wild. I mean, that is, that's like another level. I mean, like basically you are. So again, I just want to remind everybody, Olivia is 19. She's a private citizen, an activist, sure, but a private citizen that was attacked by a public official and became a household name because of an attack on her by a sitting congressman who is 40. And now other Republicans have decided to utilize her name. I mean, I need I need them all to sit in the corner somewhere. Um, You know, they clearly should not be engaging young people Um, in the last few minutes here. You know, I I want you to speak to the older generation, that older generation that you've been talking to all week long, because um, I I think oftentimes we I talk about Gen Z, but I'm not Gen Z. I'm a millennial. Um, I want you to talk to the older generation. What do you think they misunderstand about your your generation? Um, Often the Gen Z's get criticized as being overly sensitive or. You know, why do you why do I need to introduce myself with pronouns? Why are you guys doing that? This is so annoying. You know, older people. So to talk to the older generation as a Gen Z um, voter and, and just help them understand how you see the world and, and why you feel a sense of urgency right now. Yeah, I think a lot of times older generations mistake anger for apathy. Uh, I think a lot of younger generations are just tired of, like, the political pleasantries and inaction, mm. uh, especially when it comes to things like abortion rights or climate change or things like that. I think young people are just want more. And I don't think it's bad for us to want more because even in terms of compromising, these are conversations that need to happen as a new generation of political leader and a new demographic of voters take charge is – I, I don't think that we're asking for too much, especially with things like like pronouns. I feel like it's a very simple thing that could mm-hmm. be done very easily to help someone feel more comfortable. And if you're making a big deal about that, I hate to break it to you, but you're the snowflake. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of this thing of I think Gen Z just wants to be more inclusive and wants to ensure that in our activism, in our politics, we're doing everything we can to make this a more 
equitable and just country and a healthier plan and i don't think that makes us crazy i think these are just ideas that older generations have not heard as brashly as we're putting them now i love that and i mean i think that you know the idea that you want to be more inclusive like if you think inclusivity is a threatening thing or a bad thing i mean that comes from the perspective that you are already in the group that you're already mm-hmm. inside like you're lo- you're inside looking out being like why do we need inclusivity you're assuming that you're already on the in group um and and that is part of the problem <laughs> like like change your perspective a little bit um if you were on the outside i bet you would want inclusivity i bet you would want a little bit more diversity and representation i'm just saying and that's Absolutely. why why people are so angry but yet organizing themselves like olivia um to raise a crazy amounts of money it's, it's so amazing Olivia Juliana, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. We're actually out of time. I would love to have you back. So anytime you're you're available and you want to come back, I know the time difference might be difficult, but let us know because I'm always excited to talk to the Gen Zs um, because you are you're, you're you don't have patience. You're not like we're gonna wait to fix climate change. You're like we're gonna be here when the emergency deadline <laughs> arrives. I'm mm-hmm. only gonna you're like we're only gonna be 40. I would like to fix the problem because I'm going to be here and only gonna be halfway through my life. Um, when the climate emergency arrives. Olivia, thank you so much. Please stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday.